and then on this. Okay, so we are live. Um, what is going on, everyone? Um, today we have a very special guest, all the way from Colorado. Um, this is Tammy Garcia. Uh, Tammy, if you want to introduce yourself, maybe tell us a little bit about uh, who you are and how you actually landed here today. Um, and what's, what's, what's brought you here? What's your story? Tell us. Well, thank you, Adam, so much for having me on your podcast. This is so interesting because we didn't even know each other a couple of weeks ago, uh -huh. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the power of social media. It's so great to be able to connect with people all over the world. Um, well, I don't even know where to start. So I'm the host of the Naturally Inspired podcast. Yeah. Started this podcast, um, geez, I guess about eight months ago. Mm -hmm. I just have a real passion for natural health. So that kind of led me to just being able to share with other people about how they, what they can do with their health naturally instead of using pills or surgery or things like that. Okay. I was um, hoping that you could go a little bit further back than that rather than just eight months. <laughs> <laughs> well, lay it on me. What do you want to know? Yeah, oh, I'm Canadian. You're Canadian. So, Is that yeah, where you were born I'm then? From I'm from Victoria, British Columbia, Canada. Okay. But I've lived in the United States now probably, um, let's see, I probably collectively about 20 years. Mm -hmm. So I was born in Victoria, moved out here um, just to go to school and then ended up finding my husband who uh, we've been married now 24 years. So wow. We moved, yeah, yeah, 24 years. So we were children when we got married, child bride. <laughs> only, I'm kidding. <laughs> Honestly, I, I, was, I was like, what? what? I, I couldn't believe what you were saying. I'm glad um, you said you were joking there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, kind of, I mean, I was 20. We were 20 when we got married. But, yeah, that's so still that's quite young, pretty, but it's, yeah. it's not children, it's okay. Yeah. yeah, not literally a child, right? But I joke and say that. Um, so, yeah, we've been married 24 years now, and we met here in Colorado, and then we moved back to Canada for a little while. We had an investment opportunity there, mm -hmm. so we moved back there for a little while. My son was born there. I have a 16-year-old son who is about to be 17 in May. Um, and then we moved back to Colorado in 2005. So collectively, I think I've been here about 20 years on and off. Okay. And what yeah. did you actually uh, study when you went to school? Was it something to do with health as well or was it completely different? Um, you know, health and mindset has kind of always been a passion of mine. Mm -hmm. I, um, you know, I, I was a figure skater growing up. So, uh, you know, I was very dedicated to that for a long, long time and just played all kinds of sports. So I was always active as a young person. And, Have you um, seen that movie, by the way? Just just sorry to interrupt you, but the movie with Margot Robbie that's just come out, um, it's called I, Tonya. Oh, yeah. You've seen it? I haven't that. seen it, but that was like, that story unfolded right in the midst of me being a competitive figure skater. So it was pretty interesting. So you know about like the incident and everything that oh, happened? Oh, yes. I can't, Hardy. Yeah, yes, I, I watched I that movie that. two nights ago. And I cannot believe that somebody just did that. Somebody went with, um, was it a kosh, metal kosh, something like that, and just broke both of her knees. And 
it, yeah. it was just crazy that all that shit happened. Um, yeah. Fig, figure skating. Yeah. Who would have thought it's, a, it's such a violent sport? But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was quite a controversy at the time. That's sure. Um, it's interesting they made that movie now. It's been so many years. Yeah, I but. mean, she has a story to tell, so uh, it definitely should yes. have been a movie. But continue, True. continue. I, I sorry, I inter- interrupted you there. No <laughs> <laughs> worries. So, um, yeah, I grew up figure skating, and then um, later down the road, you know, I stopped figure skating, and then I was always searching for for something to replace that. So mm-hmm. when I was about 21 or 22, I just decided oh, I need to get active again, and I was broke. I didn't have any money because, you know, we we're newly married, and I thought, what can I do to stay active? And uh, I thought, well, I'm going to run, even though I hated running like hated it all the way through high school. It was a chore when we had to do it for PE. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, but I was just kind of desperate because I was so used to being active and figure skating isn't something you can do, you know, just you have to buy ice time and, Mm -hmm. and all of that. And once you get into your older, you know, after being a teenager, it's not really available anymore. So, so I decided, okay, I'm gonna go buy some. So I bought some runners. I, I, decided I was going to go buy some runners, the cheapest runners. And I had just actually finished listening to uh, Tony Robbins's first program, which was Unleash the Power Within, I think is the name of that one. The, the book or the, um, was it was it like it wasn't one of the events that he does. Is it more more the book? It was the it was uh, I believe they were uh, audio discs. Oh, okay. so they were CDs. Yeah. Yep. So I had just listened to that and he said, you can start a new habit in 30 days. Mm-hmm. So I, d- I decided, okay, I'm going to really give running a shot. I'm going to force myself to do it for 30 days. And if I hate it after 30 days, then I will, I'll just try something else. So that's what I did. And I got started running 20 minutes a day and it was awful in the beginning. <laughs> Even coming off of being an athlete, mm. running is a little bit different. Yeah. Um, so it was horrible. I mean, you know, I can remember my teeth were like, my gums were pulsating. I tasted blood in my mouth. It was awful. And I, but I made it 20 minutes. And um, the next day I was dreading going, but I pushed through and I went again. Long story short, it took me about seven days, and I started really looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. And um, here I am, you know, 24 years later, and still running. And has so. has your um have have you pro- progressed? Then I'm guessing from the 20 minutes <laughs> the 20 minutes per day. Like, have you are you, are you, are you um like how how do you work out uh, now? Then is it is it um every day still that you run, or do you do it? less but longer more challenging distances um so right now i well given the circumstances with uh, the pandemic going on um i was supposed to have a race first week of june Uh in moab utah and um so i don't think that's going to happen but so i'm not upping my mileage as much as i would would be if i was getting ready for that race but i do about 25 miles a week and I also uh, weight train as well. Yeah, that is yeah. that is impressive. Um, and I'm guessing is that split in seven days or um, like five? Six days usually. Yeah. Uh, yeah, six days. Six days a week. I like to save my long run for the weekend. Mm-hmm. 
but these days, uh, like yesterday, I did six and a half miles just because it was so great to be outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like so, um, when when the announcement came over here as well that you've got to stay in your houses and you can't go out. I think a lot of people were actually gravitating towards exercise for the first time in years because yes. it was like the only freedom you get. So um, you might as well That's use right. it for as long as you can. Uh, but it's interesting that you know you talk about how you got into it through uh, Tony Robbins. I was the yeah. same. Um, when I was growing up, I was into racket sports. So I used to play badminton, I used to play tennis. And I played that uh -huh. until I was about 18, 19 years old. At that point, I wanted to go to America to get a scholarship to play tennis. But I wasn't really, uh -huh. um, I wasn't really financially prepared to do it either. So uh, I ended up not going and I, I stopped playing. But the same thing with you. Like I literally, I picked up the Unleash the Power Within book yeah. by Tony Robbins. And within there, he talked about how he has like an amazing amount of energy. So what he did once is he brought somebody um, who was a good friend of his, who also has that same amount of energy. And he brought him onto the stage one time at one of his conferences. And he basically talked about how uh, when he came out, he was um, like... I, th I think it was, he came from an ultra marathon. That's what he'd done the day before or the same oh, day, wow. something like that. And then oh he'd come gosh. onto stage and Tony Robbins was just saying to him, how, how are you able to still have the energy to talk and walk? And you look like you're more energized now than I saw you before you actually started the run. And that's after all of those miles. So what is the secret? So then yeah. he shared it with Tony Robbins and Tony Robbins applied what he learned there. And that guy, uh, his book was recommended within the Unleash the Power Within book. So I read that as well. And then since reading that, it kind of uh, educated me on how you should actually be running in the proper way. But then uh -huh. also what he's been doing so that he's able to actually run these crazy amount of distances, these ultra marathons. Uh, wow. And then, you know, still be able to um, still still be able to have that energy afterwards as well. I think one of the crazy things that he's been able to do, he's, you know, he's, he's not just an average person. He's someone who's breaking world records and that as well. But yeah. he he um, he was able to essentially for two weeks run an ultra marathon every single day for those two weeks. And oh, an ultra marathon is, is is like a hundred miles or something like that. They're not um, yeah, short distances. Fifty, right? Yeah. yeah. So I, after I, after doing that, I just I started running myself. That kind of made gave me a kick up the ass basically, and it was yeah. like, yeah, you should you should be doing it. And since doing it, I fall in love with it because the same with you. Yeah. I hated it in school. I hated it. I felt like it was yeah. too hard on my knees, on my feet, yeah. and I I didn't feel natural to be a long distance runner because. I'd always right. been um, playing sports that required you to be quick um, in a yeah. short space of time. So it, it was totally new yeah. to me. But then once I applied everything he said, it was a life changer. Yeah. Well, listen, I'm not built like a runner at all. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I got thick muscle. I'm, you know, not the running little waif, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it just goes to show you that you know you can do you can do it if you if you find value in it. Yeah. And I think that's what's what's so important. Learning from Tony Robbins over the years, and I've attended um, his event now, and I follow everything he does because he's such a 
great motivator for me and mm -hmm. he brings so much value to the marketplace as far as business and health and all of that stuff. But um, what I've learned is if you can tie value to what you're trying to create into a habit, mm -hmm. um, then you're much more likely to keep that as a habit. Yeah. So a lot of people will, you know, will come in and think, I want to be a runner. And they just like the idea of being a runner mm -hmm. or the, they think that that's something that they want to do. Yeah. But they don't really dive into it and tie their value system to it. Mm. So like for me, it became so much about health yeah. because my family has a history of cancer. Um, not, you know, there's some, there's some scary things in my background. So once I started tying my health to longevity of life mm -hmm. and that it had such a purpose, then exercising became easy. Yeah. You know, it, it, it just, it just was something I had to do then. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's, there's so many people I know who probably haven't uh, attended conferences from Tony Robbins or just any conferences in general because he's not the only person that's doing it out there there's other ones as well um, and they've never really been taught how yeah. that you should have certain values and from there that's kind of it, it, it makes decisions easy as well you know for you um, running does not actually have to become something that you have to use a lot of willpower to kind of get yourself out of bed in the morning and and get onto the treadmill or you know running That's outside right. if you're like running outside um so i i'd guess like it's, it's it's about having the values but then would you not say it's also about having kind of an end goal as well you know something that you're working towards that's pulling you so that you know you um you kind of feel as though there's a reason behind doing it as well would you not say Absolutely. I mean, it's always good to have goals and milestones as you work through the journey mm -hmm. of optimum health. And, and I like to refer to it as a journey because I'm 44 now and I don't, I don't have the same body I did when I was 20. Yeah. And that's a good thing for me. <laughs> you know, I've put a lot more work into it now. Um, and so, but you have to adapt constantly. So when you look at optimum health, I, I look at it as something like, Yes, we're all striving towards it, but it's not something that you just get to and no. then you're done. Yeah. It's you're constantly moving through these seasons of life. Mm. So then you're always kind of, you know, evolving to the next level. And uh, that's so to have goals like race times, that's the fun stuff. Yeah. You know, that's the that's the little cherry on top, the fun stuff that you're like, you know, gives you bragging rights or gives you that sense of accomplishment when mm -hmm. you get to the podium or, um, you know, you have those visualizations that kind of keep you moving forward. But um, those can be short term if you don't tie it to a value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People will basically after a month just just give in. Yeah. Mm. So apart from the running, then, is there anything else that you've incorporated to your health that you'd say has um, really changed your life almost? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I look at health as being a, you know, synergistic system. And I think here, you know, in the Western world, we kind of look at health as um, individual things. So mm. if someone has something up with their knee, they're really focused on that knee and yeah. they want to fix that knee. And that's not really how we operate as a body, right? Mm -hmm. We're a whole system. Yeah. It's not just about your knee. If you've got something going on with your knee, chances are there's something maybe going on with your back. 
yeah. or there's something else involved, right? So, or inflammation. So systemically, your body sends out inflammation to that area to show up as a system, um, to show up, at, sorry, you know, in that spot. But really, it's systematic. You've got inflammation going on in your body. So, um, you know, I really believe in a clean diet. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, organic. I really believe in or organic. I actually just had um, a gal on my podcast who is a nutritionist, and mm -hmm. she specializes in analyzing your genetics. Yeah. And it was super interesting. So she did mine for me. And, um, you know, I was able to find out all these this information just based on my genetics. And consequently, uh, I'm actually very um, susceptible to chemicals. My my genetics are set up so that I chemicals very well at all. And that was really interesting information because I do have a history of cancer in my family. And it made me feel like, yeah, you know, all these years people are like, oh, you know, organic, is it really worth it? You know, it's so much more expensive. Did you do that? Uh, yeah, you sh should. <laughs> <laughs> That's my opinion. Because now I've learned that genetically, I don't clear chemicals well. So if I'm ingesting chemicals on a regular basis, you know, herbicides and things that are on my food, that's going to set me up later down the road for disease. So clean diet is something I'm very passionate about. I believe in supplementation um, and, you know, with with uh, ha now having the, the roadmap to my genetics, I have specific supplements that I can, I know that will benefit me and upregulate my genes. Mm -hmm. Now, you're never going to you know, eliminate, uh, you know, exposure to the disease. You're never going to eliminate it completely. Yeah. But I find a lot of peace in just being able to know that I'm doing everything that I can. Yeah. You know, I have two children. I have a husband. I have a wonderful life that I want to, you know, obviously live as long as I can. So mm -hmm. a lot of people come at it um, thinking, well, you know, that's such deprivation, you know, you don't drink that much, you don't party that much, you don't, you know, you're, you're always eating organic, you're strict with your diet. And I don't see it that way. I see it as it's a blessing mm -hmm. to be able to do those things. Um, because it makes me feel good. Yeah, there's a payoff for it. It's, um, I mean, at the um, job that I currently have, like one of my bosses, um, I told him, you know, like I'm, I'm into diet. Well, I didn't tell him, but he saw that every day I was just, I was eating salads really. Um, yeah. and he was like, why are you eating all this healthy shit? Rita? Like you don't need to eat this <laughs> right. at the end of the day, you're going to die anyway. You're, you're going to die. You can't prevent that right. from happening, but they don't understand right. that it's, it's more about the time that you have on this earth. Can you actually use that in the way that you're supposed to? Because if you're tired all the time, if you're, you're not feeling great, the reason is probably because you're not eating the right foods. That's right. Yeah, yeah. it's definitely about quality of living, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then, so I actually didn't get into weightlifting until about a year ago or so. Um, I really noticed after I hit 40 that I wasn't, I was losing strength. I didn't feel as strong as I used to. I've always kind of been a freakishly strong girl. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like, not the kind of girl that shies away from lifting boxes or anything like that. I always did stuff myself. And um, I hit 40 and that was one of the things I noticed, like, hey, I'm not as strong as I used to be. And um, so I decided, you know, I need to do something about that. At first I just kind of did light weights and everything. 
and now I've kind of progressed into, you know, I do HIIT workouts with medium weight, lightweight, and then I do a day of or two of heavy lifting as well. So it's been interesting to kind of let go of, as a child of the 80s, you know, we all wanted to be skinny, skinny, skinny. It was all about being skinny. Yeah. And um, to, I had to let go of that. You know, I had to. I never was, and never will be a skinny mini. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been a hard progression to let go of that and to embrace building muscle and you know building curves and and actually embracing that. That's been a real transition for me, and I know it, it is for a lot of women. But ultimately. Um, I want to be able to, you know, get up off the toilet when I'm 80. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, that's really what we're talking about here now. Um, It's not just about getting into skinny or dress size or whatever, but what about the fundamentals of function in your body? And if you're not building muscle now, you're losing it. Yeah, your Um, muscles are basically, they're either uh, growing or they're dying. That's, That's simply what it is exactly. and um, if you don't if you don't go to the gym and you don't do any resistance training then you know you could be a, a top quality uh, long distance runner but you know you're suffering in, in that area as well uh, so when you're older exactly. you might be able to well you'll probably be pretty healthy if you're doing long distance running until you're that age but um, you, you're going to lose that strength as you said and it's about not being one dimensional when it's coming to your training and uh, physicality you have to hit all the different things you know it would be great as well if you were that old and you could still do the splits for example like if you've been able to do that when you're younger so it's just yeah. not losing the flexibility not losing the uh, cardiovascular health the the strength right. everything that comes within fitness because it's not just about being strong and it's not just about um, having that lung capacity as well absolutely and I couldn't agree more with that and um, yoga is something that I do too, um, but I need to be more re- regular with yoga because that is a big piece. Flexibility is a big piece of it. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, my running, it's eating clean, it's, you know, building muscle, but it's also keeping, you know, limber and making sure that you're able to move and, and uh, be pliable. So it's, you want to bounce when you fall. You don't want to shatter <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> absolutely yeah right? uh, how long have you been doing yoga for um is that something you've picked up recently or um about two years ago actually my husband and i started going to a local studio here mm-hmm. in our little town um and then we brought all our we built a home gym so we we uh use just the you know the video videos on on uh, yoga and yeah. we do that about once a week so um, definitely need to incorporate it more and now is a great time to do that given that we have more time at home mm-hmm. um, but uh, it's easy to get caught up in the growth aspect of it and yoga is hard to look at as in a growth aspect for me personally because I, I, it's more of a maintenance I look at it as more of a maintenance instead of a growth which I need to switch that thought process and, and understand that that is growing too by mobility yeah exactly you know um just just having those um milestones you know that you have after after doing it for a few weeks you know maybe you should be able to do one pose that you couldn't couldn't have done before that's just what it's all what's what it's all about but um i was thinking you know with your background in the figure skating because some of the moves that i was watching that day on the movie 
like yeah. they're the hardest moves that you can possibly do in yoga especially one where you've got to kind of grab your ankle lift it up behind your head and do the full splits the in the air i mean could, could yeah. you do that when you were doing the figure skating yes oh my god <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is that's just... one of the easier yoga poses for me because of muscle memory yeah <laughs> right? many years ago but yeah that's uh that's definitely one that we used to do so I'll, I'll definitely be getting my kids to do that when they're uh, young because if you you can do that, that's that's just it's crazy. Um, and yeah. then the the spinning around as well. I just I really can't even comprehend how you can literally stay in that one spot and not fall over, not get dizzy as well. I don't know how you can um, do the rest well, of the they, whole thing they, and know where you where, where you where you are on they the ice. Teach you how to spot? It's called spotting. So you pick a spot on the ice when you're spinning and each time you come around, you're just kind of touching to that spot with your eyes and that keeps you from getting dizzy. Wow. I, I, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know about that. I feel like once you've gone around like uh, 10 times, you, you, there's, there's no way that you could not get dizzy. But I mean, <laughs> I'm going to have to test it myself. I'm not the I best. Know. I'm not the best skater. When you're, when you're young like that too, it seems like nothing bothers you. Now I'd probably throw up. <laughs> so um i was um a little bit interested in what you said at the beginning as well um because you have kind of developed this passion in health but also with mindset so um do you yeah. feel as though the mindset thing has um been at the forefront or would you say it was more the the health but i guess you can say that they come together as well can't it because mental and health um, divides into mental and physical health doesn't it so you, you can kind of put yeah. mindset hand in hand with with mental health can't you yeah um you know i'm a big believer in mindset and for me i think mindset happened first mm -hmm. um just because i i had a desire from quite a young age like i moved away from canada on my own i just packed up and left everything by um, all on my own and moved to the States. And I was just turned 20 when I did that. Um, so I had a desire, I had done a little bit of traveling uh, before I left Canada and I had met some people down in Mexico and you know they were from all over the world and we had a great time hanging out together for a couple of weeks down there. And it really changed me. When I got back to the island, I thought, wow, man, there's people out there doing really cool things. Mm -hmm. You know, like really just the sky's the limit, you know, and I didn't really have that thinking before I had taken that trip. And when I got home, I just couldn't get settled. Yeah. I couldn't get settled back into the regular life. I was like, this isn't it for me. I, I need to branch out. And, you know, I had great friends and stuff at that time, but nobody really understood where I was coming from mm -hmm. after that trip. They felt like they were like, well, just go back to work and, you know whatever and that just wasn't happening for me I had kind of this deeper pull that I wanted to go explore more so when the opportunity arose to move to Colorado I jumped on it you know there was an open room uh, at a house of girls that were living right by the university and I thought they said why don't you come down and I jumped on it I was like this is perfect this is a great way for me to branch out so wait a second that's what I did and did you um did you have to pay to, to stay at that place or was it just somebody? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. I had to, I was, uh, you know, we were all, it was a huge house. It had yeah. like, you know, one of those college houses had like 10 bedrooms in it or something. So I think we were all paying 300 bucks a month to live there. 
like a, a sorority so kind of I house would, or just uh, one that you were uh... it wasn't an official sorority but it definitely looked like one <laughs> <laughs> a wannabe sorority <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so i came down and i was able to get a job as a cocktail waitress and yeah i was working and i started going to school and taking some classes and um just trying to kind of find something that uh, you know i was interested in and this whole time mm -hmm. you know i was uh i was exercising and practicing eating right and it was really important to me um and so that's kind of just how i got you know more into that path and i just wanted more information when it came to being healthy and uh then i stumbled across tony robbins and you know jim Rohn and les brown and Bob Proctor mm -hmm. and you name it. I mean, all the greats. I have I'm obsessed with all of them yeah. and I can never get enough information from them because I think that we haven't even tapped our potential with our mind. Mm. Haven't even tapped it. I mean, I've got hundreds of stories of you know, some people like to call them divine in intervention or or you know, your destiny or whatever, but I can, you know, hundreds of stories where once I've taken the risk, once I've put myself out there, once I've, you know, proclaimed that I'm going to do this, that the doors just open up mm -hmm. and, you know, I see it as opportunity, you know, just like when you reached out to me to come on the podcast, we had never met, but I was sure, let's do it. Because, <laughs> You know, it's it's a great opportunity to connect with someone like-minded. Exactly. And I saw that. I saw that. So those kinds of things. So um, it's difficult, though, because when you're living in this world, there's not, not everybody thinks that way. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of challenge in, in living your life like this and thinking of things from the point of view that everything's an opportunity because you have people that they may love you, but they're scared for you when you take risks. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so they may discourage you. They, they don't even need to discourage you, but they just, they're not doing it for themselves. So they get afraid for you. Yeah. So I've experienced that. I've experienced, you know, um, just naysayers and, and, you know, people who actually don't want you you to do well mm -hmm. you know there's people who want you to do well and they're afraid for you that you're taking a risk but there's also people who actually don't want you to do well so they go out of their way to to cause you know trouble for you so i stay plugged in every day to something what what would your coping mechanism be you know for people who are as you say naysayers or haters and people who are discouraging you are, you know, anybody who you work with, what, what's your coping mechanism that you actually use for that? You know, I'm, I've gotten so much better at it over the years. Mm -hmm. Like when I was younger, it used to really hurt my feelings. Yeah. You know, I took it personally and it hurt my feelings. But as I've gotten older and the beauty of being a parent too, when you're a parent, you have to now arm your child. Yeah. Right. Because they're human, too, and they're going to experience the same things you do. Mm -hmm. And so the beautiful thing about, you know, learning is you take in information, you try to apply it yourself and then you teach it to someone else. Yeah. And as a parent, that's what happens is you end up teaching that, you know, mindset to your child. And so as I armed my children when they started school against people who were going to be naysayers, I got stronger in it myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? 
his, yeah, it was such a beautiful process. And so I'm still not immune. I mean, I'm human. We all have feelings. And, and from time to time, I still can take it personally. But the one thing that really, um, you know, helps me and is a touchstone for me is that 100% of the time, it's more about them than it is about you. And if you can really resonate and just sit on that when you feel that bad energy coming to you, you'll be able to break it down and say, oh, okay, so they're feeling insecure maybe about what they're not doing, mm-hmm. right? So if they're not taking risks, if they're not living out loud, you know, because so many people live on the down low, they're, they're afraid to be who they are, Yeah, you know, afraid of judgment, afraid of, well, afraid of so many things. But mm-hmm. if, if you can really just resonate with that, like, listen, this isn't about what I'm doing. It's about the fact that maybe they're not able to express themselves. And so they feel, you know, either challenged, jealous. Um, they're having some negative feelings. But really, it's not about you. Yeah. It's really not about you. It's more about them. So that's really helped me over the years to, to just go there when I feel that kind of bad energy coming on. Mm-hmm. It's just, I guess, as you said, realizing that it's not you that has the problem. It's them that has the problem. Right. And one thing that I was thinking as you were saying that is, you know, it, it is pretty easy. For example, if you're somebody who is on social media and you're getting naysayers or somebody who has a big, a big, a big following, uh, and you know you're getting haters, naysayers coming at you, but what can be difficult is for the people. I know a lot of friends who have uh, immediate family, friends who are close to them, and people yeah. that they have been seeing for a long time. And then, as you said, once you've switched, then you're going in a different direction with your mindset and uh, in terms of your goals. Then they can be yeah. like, "Oh, well, hang on a minute. We don't like that. We don't like the fact that you've yeah. switched." So yep. then you get these naysayers and haters that are in your family. Um, yep. That that's a lot lot harder than it is when they're um, out um, of your vicinity. So um, I was just kind of thinking, you know, if that was the case, if people had um, issues where their family members and their friends were uh, being naysayers and discouraging them, what would your advice be now that you know you've become this teacher? in this as well um but yeah what would your advice be would you say well you know here's the thing it's it's not that they're upset with you or that they don't like you Mm. the problem is they started to not like how they feel around you yeah so they are doing some harsh judgment on themselves Mm -hmm. and when they're around you they tend to judge themselves more yeah So it's really about how they feel about themselves when they're around you. Mm -hmm. And so what I have found is, you know, I have a gift. I, I can, I can, I can see someone's potential Mm -hmm. immediately. Yeah. You know, I'm able to see, wow, you're really good at that. You know, and some people say, oh, is that fake? Like you're pointing out things and someone is that fake? No, I I can literally see something in every single human. Mm Mm-hmm some kind of potential, some kind of gift, some kind of strength. And when they're throwing that at you, you know, 
like I said, they're, they're not liking how they're feeling when you're around because mm-hmm. what you're doing is making them reflect on themselves and yeah. maybe what they're not doing. Mm. So if we can shine the light on their strengths and build them up and encourage them to do what they need to be doing, mm-hmm. then that they'll focus more on themselves and less on what you're doing and they'll feel better about themselves. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really, really not good Not everybody advice. will do that. Not, not everybody will do that. Not everyone will have that um, will that, that that inner strength, you know, to be able to uh, even when somebody is hating you, just basically give love to that other person um, by you know showing them what they're good at as well, and then making them realize that hang on a minute, if I feel this way about what I'm good at, then I understand what you feel like when you know you're going towards that goal that or you're, you're working so hard towards as well. So um, it's kind of like bringing them to the same wavelength that, that you're on, uh, but in a way yeah. that is it's a subtle kind of process because you're not directly saying that this is going to fix your problem. You're basically exactly. shining a light towards exactly. what you think will be their destiny because you can see it better than they can because um, you kind of, you're looking at it from an outside angle. Absolutely. That, I mean, you know, I think for years people um, had commented on my writing capability. Mm-hmm. They had said, you know, just different teachers and, and people said, oh man, you're a really good writer. You're a really good writer. I never thought I was a good writer. <laughs> I was like, I'm not a good writer. What? Like, but then, you know, as I've gotten older, I am able to, to accept what I write now for what it is. And it doesn't have to be perfect but that it is touching some people. But that didn't come from me. That actually came from outside sources telling me that I was a good writer. Mm. And it took me a long time to think, oh, okay, my writing my writing is worthy for someone else to read and somebody else might get something from it. Mm-hmm. So it's so important to be, um, I had Dr. James Rouse on my podcast a while back and he is just an amazing person, just so full of light. Mm-hmm. It just, just, he just, just radiates light. And he said um, that we all need to be pollinators of other people. And I could not agree more because nobody likes being told what to do yeah. and nobody likes to know it all. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you can't force your views on someone and you can't, you know, be kind of preachy to everybody all the time, mm. but you can pollinate people, meaning you can say, Hey, you know what? you're really gifted at this. I think you're really great at this. Mm-hmm. This is the strength of yours. Mm. You know. And then they that's all you got to say. They can walk away and think, huh, that was an odd comment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or they might take it yeah. and say, somebody thinks I'm good at this. Yeah. And for some people, that's all it takes. It's just that one person to believe in them. Absolutely. Absolutely. They, they borrow your belief in them until they can believe in themselves. And that is so incredibly powerful. Mm-hmm. So incredibly powerful. And, you know, my husband and I, we, we're business owners. We, owe, we own a few businesses. And um, it brings me no greater joy than from when our, one of our employees goes off and starts their own business. Yeah. Right? Because they, we're, we were constantly pouring into our employees about um, what they're good at because everybody has strengths. And it's just amazing to me that, you know, they haven't been pointed out sooner by someone else by the time they get to us. And 
after you know several years of working with us if someone goes and starts their own business that's i've done my job mm. it's basically you know right there what you've said is you've kind of outlined uh by not saying it the way that uh you run and operate your business is the way that a good leader should actually run and operate their business because there's a difference between leadership and authority if you're leading then you're basically a person who is doing it because you're trying to serve the people who are um, following you essentially but if you're just an authority then you're bossing people around you're telling them what to do you're telling them that this is what you should be doing and if you don't do this there's going to be repercussions and you're basically instilling fear into them so that they actually they stay at uh, the business that you run and I think that's how a lot of business owners operate and that's where they go wrong they don't actually uh, have these uh, success stories as you said that the fact that your business has transitioned employees into business owners is just incredible because you can take responsibility for that as well you can say that we 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 do that over here if you want to become a business owner you can if you want to stay as an employee and progress you can it's just literally about what they want rather than what you're trying to get out of the person right for sure and you know i certainly can't take credit for people's um you know talents and i would never do that but it's amazing to me that they just need a little fertilizer, you know, <laughs> they just need a little fertilizer to get going there and, and, and they can be off and running and, you know, it's a business is fluid. Yeah. It's constantly moving. And if you're trying to hang on to something so tight, yeah. like an employee, um, you're not moving forward. You know, it's great to have long term business relationships where it's mutually beneficial. That's that's, you know, wonderful. And if someone wants to stay with us for a very long time, we we embrace that as long as they're happy and 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 they're growing within the organization. Mm -hmm. um, but it's fluid, you know, things they it has to keep running when when you get stuck and and stagnant, then you're in trouble. Mm -hmm. I um I didn't actually get to find out how you managed to uh, become a business owner. Was it um, from uh, becoming? Uh, did you work for somebody first and then uh, become self-employed? How how did you transition? Oh yeah. Oh okay. Adam, I had nineteen jobs. Whoa. <laughs> nineteen different jobs. I've had nineteen jobs throughout my life, but my first job oh my I God. was twelve. Yeah. Um, I started making beds in a hotel when I was 12 and my parents actually had to sign a uh, permission slip that they weren't forcing me to work, that it was on my own accord that I wanted to work. <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to work because my sister was 14 and she was collecting a paycheck and I wanted a piece of that action. <laughs> so um, I had my first job when I was 12. And then, um, you know, I had some seasonal work because I was in recreation, surprisingly. Mm -hmm. um, so that was, you know, summertime stuff. And, and then I was in service for waiting tables and just your general, you know, entry level positions. Um, but still, you know, that fire of wanting something of my own and it never being satisfied and, and wanting to learn more. And um, it just led me to entrepreneurship. And fortunately, um, my husband were two peas in a pod in that department. We both have known, you know, that having a job and, you know, working out of a, cu a cubicle or being told to do or building somebody else's dream, mm. that was not for us. 
and that was probably one of the first things that attracted us as friends um, was just that desire for more and to be have freedom mm-hmm. so um, you know we we did what we could we we've been um, entrepreneurs for a long time um, but we, the, for a while they were side hustles yeah you know we worked for other people um, so we got married when we were 20 we uh, went back to school at that point and um, so we were both in community college together and we threw papers we threw papers so because we could do that in the middle of the night and that was entrepreneurial um, because it's contract labor and we could take as much as we wanted or as little as we wanted so we love we got a taste of the freedom just from throwing papers (laughs) what 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 is throwing papers have i got this right is that is that newspapers that you're newspapers oh okay yeah yeah so um you know we used to make a couple thousand dollars a month just throwing newspapers and that was great when we were going to school and and then we'd pick up a shift of waiting tables or whatever and that's kind of how we stayed afloat for a long time Mm -hmm. um and then you know we just uh my husband's a musician, so he would he would play in bars and he would run sound for other bands. So that became kind of a side hustle as well. Um, and knowing all along that you know we wanted to do more and and own more and and be more. Um, and then uh, my I don't know if you were a homeowner at the time or knew about the mortgage crisis in 2007 here? 2008, 2007, yeah. Yeah, for us it was 2007. Okay. We had uh, we had purchased a home here back in Colorado in 2005 and we took one of those fancy mortgages. The where, triple A's. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> where it had the two-year arm and um, so for us it was 2007 because that's when they told us they wouldn't refinance us after mm-hmm. our arm. And um, we were involved in a trucking company at that time, hauling dirt and stuff. My husband was partners with his brother, and that was involved in real estate. So um, we, you know, that was going fine when we purchased the home in 2005. But then 2007, things started to get a little bit weird. Okay. And we found out that they wouldn't refinance us. And so... um, Real estate started tanking, and then by 2008, everything was a mess. Mm-hmm. And we weren't running our trucks anymore. We didn't have any work for um, for uh, real estate anymore, and we went into a crazy, uh, you know, survival mode type of situation, where um, I had two small kids at the time, and we made the decision to have me stay home with the kids and my husband just went to work like a madman. Mm-hmm. He was, um, you know, he was working at a day job, selling stuff over the phone, um, informational products for digital marketing uh-huh. back in 2008. Um, so he was doing that during the day. He was throwing papers and he was delivering pizzas. Wow. So he was, he was holding all three of those things down. And then one morning while he was out uh, delivering pizzas, he ran into a guy uh, that was coming home. Actually, he was delivering papers. And the guy was coming home really early in the morning, and he had on a different shirt that said uh, emergency courier on it. And so my husband said, what do you do? Thinking, you know, this guy's out at the same time as me. Maybe his gig's better than mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy told him, I run specimens. 
medical specimens, um, you know, for hospital operations and things like that. And he goes, I'm actually quitting. If you want my job, come down to the office and, uh, you know, I'll, ha I'll introduce you to my boss. And so my husband said, okay, great. So the next day he went and met him and he ended up getting that job and he, um, you know, ran uh, specimens for a company and did that for a couple of years and then hold on a second when when um, he went into the interview he, up, he didn't he didn't say to the um, interviewer that he just ran into someone who told him that the job's available did he did, did he just uh, go in there and say oh, by chance I knew that there was something how, how did he approach that interview <laughs> yeah, he he the guy actually was there and ended up um, you know saying you know I saw this guy and and uh, you know, I thought he might be good fit for the job. So, oh, okay. yeah, the guy was there when he got the job. Uh, managing that operation over the next uh, two years, and it helped us get out of the mortgage crisis, and we were able to save our home. Um, and then after managing it for five years, it got sold. And um, his clients were so... Uh, pleased with the way he ran that operation that they asked him to go out on his own. And so we started that company and now we, he, that is his company and he um, runs specimens and medical supplies and whatnot all over Colorado and into Wyoming and stuff. So that's, that was really um, just a, you know, a piece of the puzzle. We always had the, the, um, you know, the urge to have a business mm -hmm. and we've been able to get into other businesses because of that, like real estate, we've invested in uh, real estate properties and, um, you know, we have a health and wellness podcast, obviously, and, and different things, you know, that are interests. So it's uh, never ending. It's never ending. Yeah. Do you think that um, what you'll probably do now that you've uh, built that foundation with the other businesses, uh, do you think that you'll just gravitate more towards the uh, podcast side of things or do you think it's... Um, um, I am passionate about health and wellness. So yeah. as we build this brand, um, yes, I, I want to get, uh, I want to build the podcast up as much as possible. Mm -hmm. I just am so pleased with the information that I'm able to get out to the public um, and just the feedback I'm getting from people who are taking different steps with their health mm -hmm. because of the podcast you know they they realize that hey I I don't have to go on migraine medicine yet maybe I could try an acupuncturist mm -hmm. you know maybe I could try changing my diet maybe I could get my genetics analyzed and see why I might be prone to getting headaches. Maybe there's something I can supplement with that would upregulate my genes. Mm -hmm. You know, there's other ways to deal with it than a, a life sentence of medication. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, something very interesting as well is that um, when it comes to medication, mostly, uh, I think, uh, in terms of what the general population takes in the UK, I'm sure that if you asked anyone, they'd have told you that uh, when I've had a headache, um, what I basically do is I'd, I'll take a paracetamol, which is um, a capsule, and you'll take it. But after you've taken it, you, the headache will go away. But the reason that the headache has, go, has gone away is not because of what's in the paracetamol. It's because of the placebo effect. And what people don't realize is how powerful the placebo effect is. 
because if you were to use that to your advantage then you could actually heal yourself without needing to use certain medications when that's when the that's what the go-to practice would be right and that's where we bring it back around again to mindset right mm -hmm. and just how little we know about mindset and, yeah and and what we're actually capable of when we you know work at controlling emotional intelligence is a huge part of mindset which mm -hmm. i'm very passionate about too um, and we talk about that on the podcast quite a bit is about you know you have to work to discipline your thoughts yeah. and that's okay it's okay that you have to work i think you know a lot of people believe that oh i shouldn't have to monitor my thoughts or whatever it should just come naturally no <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't you have to work at that and you know be consistent with it and have an action plan in place when you do start you know down that road of negative thoughts what am i going to do there's so many things you can do to change your state listen to music exercise deep breathing meditation yeah. i mean there's so many things that you can do to kind of switch off that that negative train of thoughts and and um, that can be so powerful in your daily life yeah i mean the last person that i had on the podcast was um a transformational coach and the way that he put it was that um when it comes to um people making decisions the reason that they'll make the decision is usually uh, well he said every time but i'm not sure if i agree but he said every single time that somebody makes a decision the reason that they're making the de decision is so that they can um, quieten down the thoughts in their mind that are too loud at the moment so if somebody buys something then what they're going to do is they're going to buy that because there's a loud thought in their mind that has um, been bothering them essentially think maybe that uh, I don't have enough um, I don't know my, my car is not good enough at the moment so that that um, thought is like continually um, bothering them to the point where they're like I need to go buy another one and that's what causes the decision and yeah. um, the thing is you don't necessarily have to buy that car to quieten down the mind as you said there's other methods as well that you can use that will simply get you to that state and he was also saying about how when you're in that state it's, it's also known as a state of flow so it's essentially the yeah. state that is the optimal um, state of happiness the highest level where yeah. athletes who are playing sports at like the um, pinnacle of their career when they're like at the finals of the world event something like that, the, these athletes that are experiencing this state of flow because if you don't actually enter that state then it's difficult to um, reach your full potential and play at your highest level absolutely absolutely and I love I love the term flow state and, mm -hmm. and uh, you know I think I think uh, I, I, I feel so uh, blessed that my my kids have their flow states and yeah. I've been able to see them my daughter's a dancer and there's no other way to describe when she's on stage dancing than flow state. Yeah. There's no other way. And same with my son with his, he's really into uh, martial arts. Same thing when I watch him, he's, he's just so present and it's such a beautiful thing. I, yeah, I believe that that's why, you know, music touches us so, 
so deeply and we can't really explain it. Mm -hmm. I think what we're witnessing is someone in a very deep flow state. Wow, yeah. Not it's not about us really, it's about the fact that they we're watching it and it's that's the reason yeah. why we pay so much to watch uh NBA games and like um other sporting events. It's just because we want to watch somebody happy. That's all it is. Oh, so true. So true. <laughs> there is there is I get chills when I think about that because it's you know whether you want to call it god the universe you know whatever you, you what term you use um when someone's in their flow state we're seeing that expression mm -hmm. we're seeing it and and that's why it's so important to be an encourager and a pollinator of other people because you're encouraging them to get into the into practicing their flow state so we can see more of it around us mm -hmm. you know because it's such a powerful thing such a powerful thing when you see it. It's, there's nothing greater than uh, seeing someone in their flow state. You just smile. Yeah, You're yeah. Not sure why? <laughs> I am um, like w w I had a conversation with somebody about flow state, and he was basically saying to me, uh, well, he was asking me the question. He was saying, um, you described this flow state, but tell me about a time where you'll have been in that flow state. Now I don't know if my flow state, comparing to other people's, will have been at that level, but I know what mine feels like. And I could straight away say that, yeah, it's from playing sports. Whenever I play sports, I, I jump into that straight away. But because he wasn't such an avid yeah. sports person, athlete, and didn't really do much in his youth, he kind of couldn't really um, find uh, a moment where he'd actually been in that state. And I, I really felt like, oh, man, you, you're missing out loads because that is literally yeah. um, the best memories that I have. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's important to point out too that, you know, flow state comes to everybody differently. Mm -hmm. And we don't need to be famous to no, be not demonstrating our flow state. We don't need to be, um, you know, doing anything super spectacular. But have you ever helped somebody in a way, um, you know, having a discussion with them or whatever, and you've kind of lost all track of time? That can be flow state too. Yeah. You know, where you're helping someone else, mm -hmm. where it just, you just completely forgot, oh yeah, you know, because they're really getting something out of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And that can be flow state, you know, for some other people it's writing. I can lose track of time when I'm writing for sure. Um, you know, even cooking. Yeah. Cooking is something I enjoy and, and, and so it doesn't have to be, you know, not everybody's LeBron James, right? No, no, like, absolutely not. he has his flow state when he's out there and it's awesome to watch. Yeah, I think, I think uh, what you said there, you hit the nail on the head, essentially, is as long as you can find, because at the end of the day, time's relative. If you're having a day where you're completely bored or you're, you're experiencing negative emotions, that, that day is going to be eternal. But if you have a day where you're having fun and it's lighthearted and, you know, you're going about the day and the, the time is kind of not even on your mind and it's gone quickly, then that would be a day where you've probably experienced flow state but you didn't even know about it. You, were, you weren't like conscious about the fact that you were uh, experiencing point. flow state. Yeah, good point, good point. And yeah, I think everyone, you know, if, you, if, if you're listening to this and, and you haven't had a point where you can think, oh, you know, I have a flow state, then start paying attention, mm -hmm. you know, because it's easy to overlook because, yeah, when you're in flow state, you usually do lose track of time, you know, you're, you're just so involved in what you're doing. Um, but just, you know, awareness is key. That's a big part of, 
of of figuring out where you should be and what you should be doing is awareness mm -hmm. and also paying attention to where you shouldn't be yeah that's just as important mm -hmm. right where you shouldn't be maybe you know looking for where you should be is difficult for you you don't know where to go or what to do or what your thing is but start paying attention to where you shouldn't be mm -hmm. and that will help lead you to where you know you should be yeah exactly i think the problem stems from people not actually um identifying um what their version of success is and you know if somebody has a material version of success for example then really they they're never going to actually experience that true uh, fulfillment that you get from um just the process uh, yeah. but if if you change that um if you change that version of success to something that is true throughout the whole thing then you're going to be able to experience feelings that you would have never been able to experience with the other version so i think that that's probably absolutely. where most people go wrong absolutely i couldn't agree more and what something i learned recently um from someone you know i i never keep a closed mind i feel like you know, we can be learning. There's something to learn from everybody. Absolutely, yeah. Everybody has something to offer you in terms of learning and, and growing. And uh, my son's really into mixed martial arts. So as a result of that, I'm also into it. <laughs> <laughs> Never had an interest in it before, of course. But, um, you know, I've become kind of a MMA fan because he is uh, obsessed um, with it. And I was listening to a podcast with... Um, a trainer, I believe he's worked with like Conor McGregor and a bunch of different people and his name kind of escapes me. I think his first name is um, Edal or something like that. Vidal? But, um, is it? What is it? Is it Vidal? No, it's no. I-D, I think it's I-D-O-L. Anyhow, he um, he's a movement specialist and if you wanted to look him up, you could definitely find him under that. He's he's like the king of movement, uh, even though he doesn't like being called that, the the master of movement, rather. He doesn't the, like being called that. The master of movement. E, yes. Is it Edo? Yeah. Edo Portal? Edo, that's what it is. Oh, okay, that's okay. Um, anyway, I, he had a fantastic podcast that I listened to the other day. Um, and uh, he, was, he just explained how we are never going to master anything. Mm -hmm. That we are constantly, you know, moving to the next level of learning. And I just found that so valuable. Yeah, that's a good way we, to put it. We yeah, we tend to want to get to the next thing and be the best or whatever. But really what we should be focusing on is being a great student. Yeah. Because there's so many experts and so many things to learn. And everyone's got something to, of value to teach us. But when we're not open to it and we're not perfecting our, our skills as a student, then we may miss those things. Mm -hmm. So instead of looking to become the master of something, we should really be looking to, you know, go to the next level of learning and always looking for what our teachers have next for us yeah. and, and creating loyalty with our teachers. I mean, he's growing, he's continuing to grow and all good teachers do. Mm -hmm. Imagine if you stick with your teacher, you know, for many, many years, imagine how much you could learn from what they're learning. Yeah, you know? I think um, one one thing I was just um, having a bit of a think of there was, let's say if somebody is at the top of their game, you know, as you were saying, um, 
you don't necessarily have to be the best to experience flow state and everything like that. But let's say somebody is at the top of their game, number one in the world, and they're yeah. a, they have more knowledge on their field and their craft than anyone in the world. I mean, I don't think that you could find that because even, as you say, the, the top level um, athletes will still have coaches. But when you can't actually find, when that outside information isn't available to you, then the struggle becomes like, well, how, how do I stay being a teach, uh, student? This is actually, it's, it's a lot easier to be a student when you're starting out, for example, because there are lots of other people who have more information, more experience, more skills than, than you have. But when, when you feel as though you are further ahead in the process than a lot more people, it, it, it can be a bit difficult, can't it, to actually stay being a student but I guess that's what you've got to do don't you as well you've got to continue learning yeah you do and and as a you know if you are a teacher of something then then you know if you're a good one you are constantly looking for new content new new skills mm. and um you know that that's uh something I you know constantly looking for is new things because I want to bring great content to to people who are, are following what I'm doing. And so every day I'm, I'm looking for new content. I'm going back to old teachers and making sure I've, you know, I'm up with what they're doing. And I think all good teachers do that. And if you have a teacher that's kind of stuck and not growing, then, you know, that's probably maybe something you need to move on from, but always circle back and make sure you've gotten everything from that, from that teacher. It's worth it. You know, it's worth it to, to constantly be making sure you don't uh, overlook anything and be open. To yeah, it. yeah, yeah. That's a good point there. The fact that basically nothing stays the same and, you know, the teacher's not going to stay the same. The teacher will uh, grow as well. You know, even if they're getting older, for example, and they don't actually, um, they're not as sharp as they were once were, but they'll still be growing in, in other ways through experience. That's and right. In, That's in, right. In other That's ways. Right. But, um value there's always value mm, absolutely but I just want to kind of wrap it up there because we've yeah. come up to uh, just over an hour um, oh, great. That's fast. yeah it, uh, exactly we went into flow state didn't we <laughs> yeah. I think so <laughs> yeah it went fast for me as well uh, and I hope it's gone fast for the viewers as well watching um, but yeah I mean it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show uh, and if you want to come on again you're definitely welcome to because you've been a great guest um oh, and you. if you want me to come on as a guest onto your show as well i'm happy to do that but um that's totally your absolutely. choice <laughs> absolutely i would love that we'll definitely set that up cool um so have you got any last words for the viewers at home um all i can say is that you know thank you so much for for having me on your podcast and i would love to connect with your audience on Naturally Inspired Podcast as well. Um, I'm just learning through this whole thing and I'm looking for people that, uh, you know, have value and that have the same mindset and just to grow together. So whatever I'm putting out there, I hope it's of value and, and um, I look forward to connecting with more people down the road through natural health. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, for now, peace out, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you.